Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories, the line between true love and unhealthy obsession can be very fine sometimes. This was never more apparent than in the case of Carl Tanzler, after being shown a vision of the future love of his life from the ghost of a long-deceased spirit, once he met her, he vowed to never let her go, even in death. Join us as we take a deep dive into the terrifying tale of the corpse bride of Key West, Florida. This is episode number 69 of Hometown Ghost Stories. stood outside the gates of the cemetery holding the flowers that he had gathered earlier that day. The bright full moon hung low overhead without a cloud in the sky. He looked around to make sure no one was watching and with the light of the moon kept his lantern off as he stepped through the opening of the gates. He knew the path well. Most nights he was here. It was a bit later tonight than normal, and he was hoping that his love wouldn't be angry with him. He passed the familiar graves of Hill, Carter, and many others as the mausoleum he was heading to got closer and closer. He walked up to the door and took one last look around to make sure no one was watching. The man reached into his jacket pocket after seeing it was clear grabbed the key he was searching for, and soon heard the click as the door unlocked. He hung it on a hook next to the doorway, and as he did, he heard a voice say, You're later than normal. Are those flowers for me? Yes, my love, he responded as he approached the casket and opened the top. Always for you. He looked down at the still lifeless body of the woman in the casket, and a smile appeared on his face. The woman had been dead for two years, yet her spirit remained dormant within the body, talking to the man every night that he visited. When can I leave here? I can't stay in this mausoleum much longer, she said to the man impatiently. Soon, my love. We just have to be careful. Others... Well, others wouldn't understand, the man said meagerly. The man settled into his normal seat, looking down on the woman, and recounted his day to her. When this was done, he grabbed a book of poetry that he had been working his way through over the last several weeks, and read a number of passages to her. When the woman's spirit told him that she was bored, he decided to move on to his favorite part of the nights that they spent together. He went to the corner where he kept a vinyl record player and dropped a needle on a record. As the music began to play, he walked over to the dark brown coffin, finished opening it, 
and picked up the decomposing body of the woman inside. He picked her up carefully, and once he had her balanced, began to dance with the corpse. As he did, he leaned in and whispered into her ear, I'll get you out of here soon, my love. After a few seconds, the spirit of the woman whispered back into the man's ear, You better, or I'm leaving for good. At that moment, the man knew that the following night, he'd be bringing the body of the dead woman he held in his arms home to stay with him forever. I'm Rob Coakley, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, The Corpse Bride of Key West, Florida. Carl Tanzler was born in Germany on February 8, 1877. Not much is known about his childhood, but during adulthood, he would begin traveling the world. He traveled to India, followed by what he thought was just going to be a passing trip through Australia. Yet he fell in love with the country and stayed for nearly 10 years. In fact, it would take a world war for him to leave. During World War I, authorities in Australia rounded up people from countries such as Germany and China and placed them in concentration camps. At the end of the war, they would not be permitted to return to their homes, so Carl sought out his mother, and upon finding her, he would soon find a wife and have two children as well. During this time, he began to be visited by the spirit of an ancestor frequently. The ancestor was Countess Anna von Kossel. Anna had been born in 1680, nearly 200 years before Carl. In her adult life, she would become the official mistress of Alexander the Strong, the King of Poland. Eventually, she would be exiled by the king and would die after 49 years of being imprisoned. And yet, here was Anna, appearing to her relative Carl Tanzler, even though over a hundred years separated their death and births. When she appeared to Carl, she would always have the same message. He was going to meet his true love one day, a dark-haired, foreign woman. After telling him, she would show him the face of the woman that he would fall in love with. Eventually, Carl's mother would suggest that he and his family go to Florida to stay with Carl's sister. In 1926, that's exactly what he would do, and he set sail for America and soon his family would join him in Zephyr Hills, Florida. Only a year later, he would take a job in Key West as a radiologic tech in a hospital and began using the name Carl Von Kossel. He would show off watches and medals he claimed to all be issued by royal families and boast about nine or more degrees that he had earned to anyone that would listen. Later, these would all turn out to be fakes. When moving to Key West, Carl effectively abandoned his family, cutting off almost all communication with them. On April 22, 1930, Carl would meet Maria Elena Milagro de Hoyos, who many just refer to as Elena or Helen. As soon as he laid eyes on her, Carl knew. This was the woman that the ghost of his ancestor had shown him repeatedly. 
Elena, by all accounts, had a typical childhood growing up. As she grew into a woman, she was known throughout the area for her beauty and singing. In fact, she sang so well that tourists who heard her would often ask to have their picture taken with her. She was also devout to both her family and religion, and was a big fan of Rudolph Valentino movies. At just 16 years old, she would marry a man by the name of Luis Mesa, and shortly after, they were expecting their first child. Unfortunately, Elena would miscarry, and after this, Luis would abandon her. She began to get sick after this. Her family thought it was from a broken heart. However, the cough would continue to worsen, and soon they brought her in to be checked out. At the hospital, a 20-year-old Elena would meet a 53-year-old Carl Tanzler while getting medical tests, and his obsession would begin immediately. After this testing, Elena would receive a tragic diagnosis, tuberculosis. At the time, this was still considered almost to be a death sentence. Carl would step in and offer to help the family treat her condition. Being short on money, the family accepted. He would steal numerous equipment and set it up in their house to help Elena. He'd also create medicines, some even with gold in them, to try and heal her. Yet nothing was working. During this, he began to express his love to Elena, to which she didn't reciprocate. She was always nice to Carl because he was helping her, but would repeatedly tell him that he was too old for her, she was still married, and even that she didn't love him just to try to get him to stop. But Carl wouldn't stop. He began asking her to marry him, to the point that Elena's mother even kicked him out of the house several times. Over this time, Elena's condition would worsen. The family even moved at one point to get away from Carl, but would begin an on-and-off-again relationship with him to let him try and heal her. As she worsened, Carl would even bring Elena back to life twice after she passed away momentarily. A cousin said this is when Elena began to hate Carl, as the method of bringing her back would cause her excruciating pain. On October 25, 1931, Elena would pass away from her disease. Heartbroken, Carl would convince the family to allow him to build her a grand mausoleum in the cemetery. He built her an extravagant one that even included a telephone. What the family didn't know about the crypt was that Carl was the only one who would have a key. For the next two years, he would visit every single night, bringing Elena gifts during his time with her. During these visits, Carl would speak to the ghost of Elena. She would tell him that she was sick of the mausoleum and wanted to go live at his home with him. Two years later, in 1933, he would bring the body of Elena to his home. For the next seven years, there were whispers of Carl von Kossel throughout the town. At first, it was about his nightly visits to Elena's grave, abruptly stopping, followed by people commenting on him constantly buying women's gifts, clothing, and perfume, even though he didn't have a girlfriend. A curious child even spied in the window of his house one day and saw Tanzler dancing with what he described to be a giant doll. 
For the years that he had Elena's corpse, he tried experimental ways to keep her body intact. On her face, he used plaster of Paris and replaced her eyeballs with glass eyes. A wig was made out of her hair while alive, and he used that to keep on top of the corpse's head. Mortician's wax would also be used to keep her face looking, quote-unquote, alive, and he also created several death masks of Elena. For her skeletal frame, he used coat hangers to help stabilize it. He then would stuff the inside of her body with rags to attempt to keep its original shape. He even inserted a paper device in order to conduct sexual intercourse with the body. On top of this, he heavily relied on perfume, disinfectants, and even flowers to keep the smell of rotting flesh from overtaking the house. He believed that he would eventually be able to bring her body to space and that would reanimate her cells, thus bringing her back to life. Throughout the seven years, Carl states that the ghost of Elena was with him, thanking him for bringing her home and attempting to resurrect her. Her spirit would tell him how much she loved and admired him. And every night, Carl would go to sleep with the corpse of Elena next to him in bed. In 1940, Elena's sister showed up to confront Carl, believing something was off. She found him with what she thought was a life-size doll of Elena, and she contacted authorities. After conducting an investigation, the discovery was made that it wasn't a doll, but indeed the actual body of Elena. Carl would be arrested for grave robbing. He would be tested and found sane enough to stand trial. However, the catch was that the statute of limitations had expired for the crime, and he walked free. The town and surrounding areas were infatuated with the case. So much so that Elena's body was put on display at a local funeral home and over 7,000 people came to look at the corpse bride of Key West. Afterwards, her family reclaimed her body and buried her in an unmarked grave in Key West Cemetery in order to keep Carl Tanzler far away from their daughter and sister. Carl would have an extreme reaction to this. Upon finding out her body wouldn't be returning to the mausoleum, he went to it, filled it with dynamite, and blew it up leaving it in pieces. Carl himself would go on still infatuated with Elena until the day he died. He wrote papers and gave interviews on the case explaining his feelings. He never met another woman, and in 1952, he would be discovered dead in his home three weeks after passing. When authorities arrived, he was dead on the floor. With a life-size doll of Elena wearing a death mask, staring down over Carl's lifeless body. Ghost Stories, episode number 69, the Valentine's Day special. 
Welcome in, and thank you all for spending your Valentine's Day with us. Hello, Rob. And what better way to celebrate Valentine's Day than to discuss and figure out, is it better to have intercourse with a hunk of bacon or a piece of paper? We will get into that for probably an hour in a few minutes. We're also joined by Dave. Hello, Dave. What's going on? Um, I think the bacon is less weird. I think you got to vote on the side of bacon there. I don't know because like at least there's some texture there. Well, we don't have to go. We don't have to go into the specifics there. I think uh, it's it's a moral choice here. Oh, well, with that, yeah. Okay, fair. Um, Also, though, paper, paper cuts would be the worst. Right. There's varying accounts on it. I had heard that, and, and I hate that we're starting the episode off with this conversation, <laughs> but uh, I had heard that it was a plastic tube. I also heard a plastic tube. Mm-hmm. Mm, well, either paper. way, doesn't make it better. All sounds painful. All sounds awful. Yeah. Yeah, terrible. Not good. This was, I mean, this has got to be, we, we've talked about some messed up people on the show. We've talked about serial killers. We've talked about, all sorts of bad people. Mm-hmm. This guy might go down as the weirdest. Yeah, I would say that this story is wild. And on top of it being wild is after he was found out and we'll get into it. But the reaction of people around around like the surrounding area for him was sympathy, <laughs> which is like. Absolutely. Why? Yeah. Okay. They didn't they didn't know everything though. That's part of the problem. All right. Let's leave some meat on the bone. Let's start off by thanking live chat for swinging by again. Just hanging out on Valentine's Day with us. Thank you guys for hanging out. Uh for anybody that's listening to the podcast, you two can join in on the uh live chat here, which is uh they've they've been on fire so far today. Every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube. Most people join in on YouTube, but we're also live on Facebook and Twitch as well. So shout out to those who are joining on Facebook and Twitch. Appreciate you guys, but yeah, this is a this is a this is a strange story. Why is there like, why is there like a shrine to this man? Like, why is this man being memorialized? Like, why they, there was like a, I don't know if it was a museum or what you showed a picture of, but there was like a cardboard cutout of this guy. Yeah. Which, I by think... the way, can we order one of those? <laughs> <laughs> we we should. That would be uh, great should. to have in the background. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> just just Carl Tanzler just standing over your shoulder every episode. Just looming. <laughs> um I think that was like probably a curiosities museum. I couldn't figure out exactly where it was. I just didn't have the time. I was away this weekend and kind of threw the video portion of this together a little quicker than normal. Um but yeah, it's I think it was probably either like a death museum or a curiosities museum, or even just it might be the same museum. Because remember, Key West is where Robert the Doll is. So I wouldn't be shocked if it's in the same you know museum. What? Yeah, we should look into that because it actually looked like the same structure of the building inside. It's got like a brick interior with mm-hmm. archways and stuff. So it, it did look like that inside now that you mention it. Uh, real quick before I forget, uh, Cash dropped the dollar in Super Chat as well as Matthew T. Thank you guys so much for your donations. And I guess Matthew T is currently the top donor in Super Chat. Thank you guys so much. You don't have to do that. I appreciate it. So this story actually starts off with a ghost story. Right. So Carl Tanzler, he's born in Germany and he kind of becomes a world traveler or he wants to be a world traveler. 
he's studying weather patterns and stuff like that as he's as he's moving around. And he was supposed to pass through Australia, as we talked about in the episode. He ends up staying there for like 10 years. And something from his early life on is from what he says is his ancestor that had died about 100 years before he was born, who was the mistress of a king. She was supposed to be a countess. Yes, a countess and the the king's official mistress, which what a, what a title. Um, there's some evidence that they're they're not sure he was actually related to her, but it is what it is. He said that she would show up to him like as a ghost, and on multiple occasions, tell him he's going to meet this foreign beauty with dark hair and would show him an image of her. So years and years and years go by. He ends up having a family. He has two kids. He finally moves them all to Florida after his mom said he should do that. I mean, he's an an old man not making his own decisions at this point, right? And, oh, my, let's uh, let's talk about it. Mara just dropped $20 in Super Chat as the number one. She is the queen for the day. She is absolutely a queen. No matter what happens in Super Chat going forward, you are absolutely a queen, Mar. And thank you so much. Matthew, do not feel obligated. I see him already tempted over there. <laughs> he's, got, he's, got the, uh, he's got the Captain McSlugs bug where he can't stop just giving us money. Yeah. Um, all right, let's let's start with this. So we had the story where he he met with the Countess or the ghost of the Countess or whatever. And she's like, you're going to meet this beauty or whatever. Mm-hmm. And clearly, he thought it was true, right? He, in his mind, this was a true story and this yep. was going to happen. And when he saw her... He was fixated. He was obsessed. He was full stalker mode. Couldn't be stopped. Like the ultimate king of the stalkers. What I'm not sure if you mentioned is this man was full of shit. Mind you, he's crazy. Yes, he's an insane person. He's also a pathological liar. I don't know if this story is true. I mean, maybe he believes it to be true. He's clearly a crazy person. Not enough to get him freed in, in court which we'll also get into, which is why there's, there should be some serious charges here, and there just weren't in this case. Not the first time we've come across that in, in, in hometown ghost stories, but he served very little time in prison for what is a disgustingly heinous crime against a dead person, but still, not cool, not cool. But he's a pathological liar, so he went through life telling people that he was a pilot, telling people that he was in one of the world wars, I think it would be world war one. He said he was captured by enemies. He also said he was a spy. He said that he would like, he had all of these insane stories and none of them were true. He also told people he was a doctor. That wasn't true. Including also, the fact that he was married to a countess that nobody could verify was in fact a countess. Right. So, so he, he did it just for the title that he would be referred to as count. <laughs> right. And he's not a count. He's just an absolute liar and <laughs> on all fronts. And why anybody believed anything that this man said is just, it's bonkers. Yeah. It's, it's, and he would walk around with medals and from what you were talking about, like, and none of them were his. And yeah, he was a crazy person and he told a bunch of lies, but that doesn't mean that he wasn't like schizophrenic or something and was, could have been seeing these visions or, you know, like maybe he did see something. I, I can't say he did or didn't, but yeah, if we're going to go down the path that he's a liar and it's like, what we talk about all the time. Like once you can discredit one thing, you're probably going to discredit everything that's paranormal related. So as soon as we find out that he's lied about 10, 12, 15, 20 things, 
why would this be the one thing that he actually yeah, I don't I don't believe that he was actually visited by a ghost whatsoever just off his track record alone now what we don't know is in his mind did he actually think that he was right is this why he became so obsessed there has to be a reason that he became so obsessed with this this person to do what he did now um someone brought up in chat i just pulled up the comment who was it talk about cody's i lost so it he, it was a cody oh yeah did, did he, he make her sick? sick intentionally to be close to her no i mean she had tuberculosis he's not gonna he he well he found he he was he found her that way so he was the radiology technicianist at the hospital and when she was brought into him that's where he met her and the reason he was so obsessed with her is there was a premonition uh, that was made to him earlier on in his life that he was going to meet a dark-haired beauty that would be his love of her life forever and when he saw her he was like this has to be her so yeah. that's where the obsession came from yeah, he was only like 30-something years older than her at the time, too. Not weird at all. Definitely doesn't follow the half plus seven rule. Which, Can't argue with the premonition. Which, you know, a lot of people are not familiar with the half plus seven rule, and it kind of blows my mind. So We have to address this. We have someone named Ron Meshbesher in chat. Welcome to the chat, Ron. Meshbesher is the last name, and we covered a story, and I'm wondering That's if him. this is the same Rhett Meshbesher. It's Ronald Meshbesher from that episode, yes. Ron. I don't know if you've noticed this pattern over the past few episodes. There is a Justin. pattern, but I didn't get <laughs> to talk about it. The picture looks legitimate. Meshbesher. <laughs> Welcome in, Ron. We're I hope it's the real here. Ronald Meshbesher. Yeah, but now I'm worried. I'm like, this lady might still have a lot of money, and now Meshbesher's <laughs> coming after us. <laughs> Thank you. Have you seen my cake? So for those of you who might be confused about this in our episode about – um. Oh man, what, what was it? It was um, uh, Minnesota, right? Yeah, it was your episode, right? Yeah, and in our episode about, I'm I'm trying to. All of these episodes are a blur now. We had tracked a, uh, a a pretty serious pattern about a potential serial killer, and her lawyer was Mr. Mesh Besher, and now he's here in chat. Welcome in, buddy. So, but we had uh, alluded to how scared we were that she might sue us, but we said allegedly about 400 times in that episode. So I think we're I think we're okay. Covered our covered our grounds right there, Mr. Meshbesher. Yeah. Anyways, so who's not going to sue us is this count, ex war yeah. veteran, ex. Uh, Figure if he was a count, war. he would know the half plus seven rule because you, know. you would you would have to know the half plus seven rule. You know, like you just need to know it. You're a count. You can't do plus seven. Come on. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You can't do half plus seven. Like, what are we doing here? Like, you're you're clearly out of her her. Uh, Oh, so people don't know what the half plus seven rule is in chat. Okay, I should explain it then. If you're ever wondering if somebody is too old or too young for you, this generally works. It gets a little weirder the older you get. But if you take your age and you divide it in half, so let's say 36, right, is 18, and then you add seven, that's the age that you should be able to date. That's not weird. So you divide in half plus seven, and it should work out that it's uh, okay to date that person. The Unless half plus 14. seven. Well, I guess I guess that would make sense. You're no. 14, 14. Yeah, okay. So, no, so yeah. it covers you at a young age. Right back at 14 again. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, at first I was like, this is going to sound good because I'm going to make Rob sound creepy, but it didn't work out. No. Uh, Scotty says he's now a patron. So if that's true, then thank you and welcome to our Patreon Love page. It. Yeah. Hell yeah. A little bit of bonus content for those of you who haven't subbed yet. Consider but it. If it's if it's not true, then, then shame on you. 
I'm going to go back and erase this if it's not true. So, yeah. We will show up at your place, Scotty, and demand three dollars from you. We will at pay. Least. We will pay fifteen hundred dollars for airfare just to get this three dollars. So. All right. So let's get back to this story. So he's at this hospital. He is working in a hospital. He might. I know it is doctor. true. It is true. It immediately just went through on Patreon. So yes, Scotty, welcome <laughs> to the welcome to the crew, buddy. And uh, we appreciate you. We'll and still now show we, up. Now we don't hours. have to. We don't have to fly out there. And... Now you better never cancel because now we will come for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he's working in a hospital. So like he's not a doctor per se. I like you said he was an X-ray technician, and he meets her there, and he's just like enamored with her right away. But the prognosis, <laughs> the diagnosis is not good. It is oh, tuberculosis. tuberculosis. Yeah, you're. you're... At that time, you're pretty much dead. Which, as if anyone who's played Red Dead Redemption 2 knows, tuberculosis, not a good thing. So very few people survived it. We've covered a few episodes that this was a big problem. Um, Papa Squatch, can you just ban Gigi Snap real quick? He said it doesn't <laughs> suck. Uh, so yeah, so we, we're he's dealing, he beats who he claims is the love of his life, but the prog- the diagnosis is awful. She's probably going to die. So mm-hmm. now he's already abandoned his family, right? Already, we know he's a terrible person. And he makes it his mission to do everything he can to keep her alive. And he talks to the family and he starts stealing equipment from the hospital to keep her alive, right? Yeah, like eventually, he's, eventually gets fired for it. Right, he's like taking all these things, he's bringing it to her. The family's thankful at first. But then he finally starts like revealing like his true intentions through it, where he's like, I love you. I want to marry you. Like, and she's like, I'm not into you, dude. You're 137 years old. Yeah, none of that. She's like, like, I'm just trying to survive. <laughs> yeah. She's yeah. dying. Also, she's also dying. I'm dying. Like, yeah. Like, like, Damn, you look good today. Yeah. Marriage is the last thing I'm thinking. She's of like, I haven't moment. eaten in three days. Yeah. <laughs> Leave me alone. Uh, yeah, just, he's just absolute creep and just professing his love to it. And, and his family, like, like you said, his family were, were open to it at the at the time. Like, yeah, whatever, whatever you can do to help. And you know, she's just just dying. And meanwhile, this guy's just obsessed with her. And the family's in such a bad spot because they don't have a lot of money, so they take this help at first. And then it gets so weird that they move and they don't tell him at first. They're like, they're like, um. All right, just just talk about it real quick. Yeah, Matthew T. has taken the top spot, and uh, you dropped twenty one dollars. So thank you so much. Thank you, you guys. Matthew you guys don't you. have to keep this open. So now we have the the Mar. You're still the queen of of the YouTube chat today. That's right. Matthew's just the king. Yes, Matthew's the king. Uh, so they move right. They they want to get away from him. They don't tell him where he, where they are. She's super sick, and. They're running out of options for healthcare. They can't get her any. And they're like, we just have to go back to this guy. We have to, he's at least doing something, right? Like for all the people that aren't doing anything, he was trying everything. We got to give him that credit. But yeah, he's also like showering her with self-serving, self-serving reasons though. I'm not saying it's not. It was, but at the same time, it, he brings up a good point where at least he's trying to save her life. I mean, he may have been injecting her with like gold, <laughs> but <laughs> that's much better than what he injected her with later on in life. <laughs> Anyways, so. <laughs> Which is formaldehyde. I mean, what are we going with that? You guys are terrible. 
Um, oh, man. So he's doing all these things. And the thing I found interesting, there's a debate, right, where people think that because she kept rejecting him at the end. <laughs> Dude, we got to stop doing this. Mara with a $30. Do- oh, my God, there's a $50 donation. I've never even seen that color pop up. It popped up as a pink donation. Mara, you got to stop. But thank you so much. <clears throat> we do appreciate that. Wow. Wow. Mar, Absolute legendary. Send us a message after the show. I'm going to send you some stuff. Yes. Um, crazy. Anyway, <laughs> thank you, Mar. Um, so he he's getting rejected constantly, and she's actually starting to get mad ab- about him continuously going down this marriage proposal path and everything. And to the point that he might she might have just started being mean to him, and she was trying never to be mean to him because her parents always taught her to be like a nice person. Uh and what people debate is they think that towards the end, he might have been actually in like giving her things to kill her, like like injecting her with poisons to get her to finally pass right. so that because she was rejecting him in life, he could have her in death. And. I don't know. This is one of the points that I wanted to talk about with you guys, because I don't, I don't know if that's true. Like, I don't see where he was trying so hard to keep her alive, like, and how enamored he was with her. I understand the concept though. So where do you, do you guys think he might've been doing something like that? I think it's possible. And I don't know that like the initial reaction is clearly this guy loves her so much. Why would he try to kill her? Well, if she wasn't really all that interested in him in anyways, which she made it pretty clear that she wasn't, then maybe that was it. And he clearly, due to what he did after, clearly had no problem with her being dead. It's fine. He was going to have her however you could have her, which was really messed up. So mm-hmm. I don't rule it out, but you know what I you know what I really equate this to is this is once again someone who doesn't know what he's doing. He's not a doctor. He doesn't know how to save somebody from tuberculosis. Hell, the doctors didn't even know how to save somebody from tuberculosis at the time. Yeah. Am I saying formaldehyde wrong? Is it formaldehyde or For. formaldehyde? Formaldehyde. So I have been saying yeah. Anyways, fine. Anyways, I, I I had to clear that up real quick because I saw Fox Crown's comment. And also, every time I say that, I assume I'm saying it wrong. Okay, anyways. So I, I think that this is neither. I think it's just a case of he didn't really know what he was doing and, and probably something that he was experimenting with, like injecting her with gold or whatever, juicy juice or whatever he was in, injecting her with at the time probably ended up uh, expediting her death. You also have to wonder, like, how because he was stealing stuff from the hospital to care for her. Wonder how much stuff he stole from the hospital to prepare for her death before she actually died. And I wonder if that's something they looked into when they originally investigated this guy, because they didn't mm-hmm. catch on till you know years after that he was doing this. So I guess all the evidence would have been, you know, lost by then. Yes, but. That would have been a pretty uh, pretty solid indicator right there. Yeah, and they and people aren't going to think that anything's going on at the time because she has tuberculosis. So when she dies, she dies. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think he did, but like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked is what I would say, right? Because uh, now he gets to control her body because now he makes this deal with her parents. Because they have no money once again, and he's getting money somewhere because this dude had some money at the time because he builds her a mausoleum. We're not even going to do that for Dave. We're throwing him like 
over a bridge or something when we're no, done. We're going to build him a spaceship, which, by the way, he was also doing. That was, yeah, that, okay. that was Loki. That was the craziest part of the whole story. <laughs> yeah, we'll get, we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, so now you're yeah, now you're a rocket again, scientist. <laughs> again, if you're the family, are you really turning down this offer for a really nice mausoleum? Mm. I mean, right. ah, yeah, he's weird. Yeah, he's creepy, but she's dead, and you're going to build her this sick mausoleum. Right. Go ahead. Go ahead and do it. Oh, you're going to have the only key? I'm a little suspicious, but still do it. I mean, you probably don't even think that, right? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. If, if someone builds that. like, yeah, dude's like, weird, yeah, but nobody assumes things. nobody assumes somebody's that weird. And they're and they're grieving, of all things. Like, they're, they're grieving about what just happened to their daughter. Now it's a, a mausoleum to honor her. You're just going to take it. It's just like... It's it's better than whatever they were gonna do is probably the the lowest form of burial like with a small grave marker, and they're like, well, at least we can honor her in death. She's our daughter. She's our sister. We can give her something nice, even if it's not us paying for it. Let's do it, because who who thinks what's about to happen is gonna happen? Nobody, right? You would never think no. that somebody like was gonna do he this. was being creepy, but not not hinting towards the level of creepy that he actually got to. Right. And then shit just hits the fan completely. Yeah, so, so he basically, he visits the mausoleum every night for like two years. Yep. And then he just decides to take the corpse home. Well, as he's visiting every night, what he's saying is that her spirit is there. Her ghost is there with him. And he talks to her every night. And she starts to say she doesn't want to be in the mausoleum anymore. She wants to get out of the mausoleum. And he's like, you know, I told her I couldn't bring her out because it would be weird, basically. And uh, Not weird to build her a spaceship and shoot her into outer space, though. Well, that's going to heal her, Dave. It's going to reconstruct her cells. We're going to talk about it. It's he scientifically had finish, proven. He had to finish the spaceship first. Yeah. First, what precedent was he basing that, that, that plan on? Have we been sending people to outer space Dave. to bring back from the dead for a long time? Or, or did it just happen once that maybe I don't know about? <laughs> like, did who? this sound like a man who was basing anything <laughs> off the president? No, probably not. No. I, I do want to address this before we go too far away. Chat's going crazy about Juicy Juice. Has no one ever heard of Juicy Juice before? It's like an actual brand. It yeah. was like, yeah, it was like a real cheap juice. I don't know. It came in a, came in a big old can. You had to use it. I don't think it was cheap. Can open? Uh, I don't think it was juice either. <laughs> well, real 100%. Juice 100% juice is how they advertise. You guys are wrong. It was expensive and it was delicious and it was 100% juice. Very good for you. That's why our mother always mixed it with half juice, half water. Mm, too, because it was too healthy. <laughs> Not because it was too healthy, because we were too poor. <laughs> Had to save the juice. I'm going to finish a point without Jesse interrupting me at some point tonight, I promise. It's going to happen. Uh, it might not be on this episode. It might be on some side content we record later. But So he's in this mausoleum. Her ghost is showing up. And for this is probably going to be the point that you finish that Jesse doesn't interrupt you on. No, he already interrupted me on this one. And now you oh, have. Okay, sorry. Thank God. Now I'm going to stick so much paper inside your dead asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, this is a live. <laughs> I think that takes the cake as the weirdest threat that Rob has ever delivered. Um. <laughs> So she, my mother, just, my mother just texted me and said she never watered down my juice. That is false. I know you did. I know you did. I could taste it. You could taste the difference in the juicy juice. 
Um, so yeah, anyways, they, the ghosts were showing up. She wanted to leave. It takes him two years and he's finally just like, I have to do this. I have to get her out of here. And I want to see the process of him getting the corpse out to his house in 1930. Like, how did he successfully do this without anyone seeing it is what I want to know. It's got to be like a trench coat situation. <laughs> I, I don't know. But there's yeah. so many there's so many strange visuals in this episode, like him smuggling the corpse out, him shooting a dead person into outer space, yeah. him dancing around the room with a corpse. Like it's, it's all very it just doesn't seem real, but it's all real. Mm. So he somehow gets her there. And for seven years, he has the corpse and no one knows. I mean, how do you get away with this for seven years? I mean, I get it. If, if he's got no family and nobody's visiting him and he's just doing his thing. So if he's got nobody coming over the house, who's going to check and see if he's got a dead body? And what's more gross about this whole story is that he was doing certain things to keep this body preserved. He's replacing her in he's stuffing like her insides with cloth and, and changing. There's like layers of plastic and plaster and all these different things that he was basically replacing parts of the body that were coming apart. He had to string the bones back together. And like you said, in the episode when the bones would deteriorate or when they would just be useless, he would replace them with coat hangers. But he basically had this thing strung together like a puppet inside because everything was just coming apart. The face was basically completely replaced by one of those death masks. Uh, the eyeballs had reduced to nothing. So we re- replaced him with, with glass eyeballs and it didn't look good. He put, he put her own wig. So he had her own hair made into a wig and mm-hmm. just stuck that on her head nonchalantly. And it looked God awful. Just everything about this just looked like a terrible job. It looked like something that went horribly wrong with a paper mache project. Yeah. There uh, you go, Ricardo. Since people are <laughs> disturbed by it, I'm going to share the image again just to uh, just to show people. But yeah, so there's plastic eyes, plaster of Paris. That wig is her actual hair. Yeah, like br- brush the hair, bro. It looks terrible. Yeah. Yeah, do something with Although it. Although if he were to put a brush through it, it's probably just going to rip right out of the scalp. So it, what's what's messed up is we're actually looking at a dead body here. Like that was at one point a beautiful woman. I mean, I think it's mostly not a dead body anymore at this point. It's mostly plaster of Paris and makeup. And I mean, it is her mm-hmm. real hair, but. Yeah. And the skeletal structure with the coat hangers and just stuffing it with rags. Terrifying stuff. Absolutely terrifying stuff, I would say. Yeah, mm. I'd have to agree. Mm. And the eyeball picture is the one that got me. Yep. Putting the eyeball into there, like, <laughs> seven years. Just seven years. And yeah, seven years. So one of the neighbors had reported that he saw, he saw the good old Count dancing around his house through a window, and it looked like he was dancing with a life-size doll. And it turns out that was him dancing with the corpse. But that wasn't even how he got caught. Eventually, I think her sister had gotten suspicious. And yeah. she's like, I, I want to see the body. She hit him up. And he's like, as she had come over to the house, she's like, take me to the mausoleum. I want to see the see the body. He's like, we don't have to go to the mausoleum. She's right upstairs. <laughs> and then just brought her upstairs. And she's like, what is this? Well, she didn't think it was the real body. She reported him. Not. Yeah. She reported him because she thought it was a doll. And she just thought it was weird. So she called the police and she's like, 
you need to come see this because he's got this like life-size doll and he had made death masks of her. Right. And he's like, she's like, I think he has this weird doll with a death mask. It's creeping me out. Can you go check on him? And they get there and they're like looking at it. They're like, uh, we think this is actually her body. And then they run some tests and I don't know what tests you run. Like there's some bones there. Like there's, some stuff going on it's something what was messed up is it, it, this wasn't all that long ago but it was like publicized people came by and they actually had like a second funeral for her or something like that and everyone just came by to see this body again and it was a yeah. spectacle thousands of people came well we talk about this about this time frame right the early 1900s in this country where anything that's like a little bit weird so it happened with Velisca where they would walk the they walk through the crime scene to see the dead bodies like the yeah, public. Yeah, this is this is like 35 years after Velisca though, isn't it? It's no, like this is 20 like 1920s. Wait, this, this is yeah, 1920s 30s, right? 1930s and this is the same time frame as like um the Mar Barker gang in Florida got gunned down in Florida and as soon as they killed that entire gang, the public just walked through just to see the dead bodies of the Barker gang because mm-hmm. they were they were famous. So when people when houses like we talked about houses catch on fire, people are murdered for that early part of the century. People were just showing up and just walking through just like, Hey, just gonna, just gonna go look at this because crime scenes didn't have to stay as intact or anything. And it was an oddity basically. I don't know. Those sideshow oddities like uh, circus sideshows were pretty big back then too. Like come Mm -hmm. see the, the eight foot woman and the, you know, the, the three-legged man and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, I've seen a few of those in my time. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So that, that was all popular. And what I don't understand is why the family allowed it. Right. Like, so they were, they were, why did they allow her to be displayed for that weekend? And like 7,000 people came to this funeral home just to see her body. And I just, I don't understand if they did it for, Maybe they were promised a free burial from this funeral home just to draw people in, right? I would assume that's kind of what happened there. They they were promised a free burial, and when they rebury her, she is buried in an unmarked grave, and it's still unmarked. They know the cemetery, but no one's quite sure where she where her where her final resting spot is. Yeah, yeah, every uh, there's so many weird layers to the story. So that okay, so then we got to talk about the rocket ship. So mm-hmm. his he had this plan to. Well, I guess we already talked about the rocket. There isn't much to it. He there's had a rocket. Was that an actual picture there. of it? That's what it looked like. Yeah, that was what the rocket ship looked like. Was it made out of cardboard? Because it looked like something a child would build out of cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Do Do we know any like the anything about it? Like what it was made out of? Like what? what how he planned to get that thing into outer space? No, and yeah, and at this point we hadn't been in outer space, right? So he was trying to be the first person to do anything in outer space. Imagine if that was the headline, and that's what we had to remember: outer space explore, exploration by. Like if he succeeded, like yes, yeah. If that this was one guy place. launched him, launched himself into space with a corpse that he stole, and he never came back. Imagine if instead of planting the American flag on the moon, we planted a corpse. <laughs> we just planted her dead. 
<laughs> just her weird eyeballs looking back. <laughs> you believe they put a dead woman on the moon? <laughs> if you look up on a clear night, you can see her standing there in all her glory. With her wig just frizzed off to the side. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no, if it's the wig was frizzed off to the side, you have the conspiracy theorists saying, no, it's not real. Because <laughs> it's not wind. blowing in the wind. Yeah. <laughs> the windy moon. Yeah, so, oh, God. Yeah, but the story doesn't end there. Because then the guy blows up the fucking mausoleum. <laughs> yeah. He, and he was pleading to get the body back. So they have the trial. He's found um, not guilty because the statute of limitations was two years on grave robbing. And they didn't get him on necrophilia because they... I think they just didn't want the public to know from what I was reading. They, it didn't come out till the 1970s that, that the necrophilia portion from the coroner and the guy who like examined everything. And so you have him not getting the body back and you have the public, the public was looking at him like, Oh, he's just the guy that lost the one that he loved. And it's like, well, you don't know the whole story here. She didn't love him. Yeah, all you yeah. need is like one detail out of They're this like, story. Well, that's yeah. not what I said. I said he lost the one he loved. Yeah. <laughs> didn't <laughs> say anything about her loving that. him back. Right. So like there's like a more of a public display of like sorrow for him. Like they feel bad for the guy. And it's like, you guys. And it's probably the way the newspapers were reporting the story, too. Right. They're like, we can make a, a love story out of this. Like it's a guy who couldn't cope with the death of his loved one. Um, and they try to romanticize it, which I don't know how you romanticize, you know, putting some some eyeballs in in a in a corpse. It's it just like, how do you let me ask you this? How do you romanticize this? How are you like, this is the picture is absolutely bonkers. Um, I just I don't. I don't let's let's <laughs> yeah, let's just zoom a little bit there. Zoom it in for Ricardo. Just, just zoom in for Ricardo here. Like how how are you romanticizing this picture? Right. So I don't know. It's so Ricardo it's, brings up that he's the original Florida man, and yeah, you're right. Yeah, this is he makes all the Florida man headlines look weak. I just want to let you know that five people just tuned out of the live stream while you do that. <laughs> <laughs> All five are Ricardo. I've been living with this haunting photo for the past like three weeks as I worked on this episode. So now yeah, everybody you has chose to this. You chose this. They chose to be here. That's so they have to deal with it too. I'd have my Valentine's Day no other way than looking at pictures of corpses. Yeah. So that kind of hits on. So what else do we want to hit on? Do we want to hit on? He doesn't get found guilty. Um, they He blows up the mausoleum. That's where we're going with this. So because he can't have the body, he takes a bunch of TNT like he's a 1930s silent era villain. It just like loads it up. Like yeah, it's he on just a- Yosemite Sam's his, <laughs> his way to the mausoleum. and Yeah, it just blows it up. I could only imagine that he had two revolvers and he was shooting them off in the air while it blew up. <laughs> it's the only way, right? That's, yes. Rode off on a horse. Or rode off uh, on a donkey with a cart. I don't know. <laughs> These my, are the things that go through my head. My favorite part of this entire story is his death. I find it almost poetic. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, but really, when it really boils it down, the dude just died next to his blow-up doll. Yeah. I Which mean, that is, is poetic. Exactly, that is poetic and romantic. It's poetic justice, right? But yeah, he kept one of these death masks mm-hmm. and basically stuck it on this blow-up doll. And died next to it. 
and died with it leering over him. And he laid there for three weeks until somebody found him. That could have been seven years. So I guess there's that. The craziest part of the story is that he had an actual living, breathing wife somewhere that he just chose to leave. Who sent him money? You know, the the problem was she was living and breathing. (laughs) (laughs) He had two kids with her. So I was like, like, where does this, where did this come from? It's just so bizarre. It's like Uh Dave Chappelle has a skit, has a bit about, um, he's like how AIDS came about. People had sex with monkeys and he's like, well, that doesn't make sense. Nobody has sex with monkeys and people. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, this guy is doing like the dead people and the alive people. It's just crazy. Brennan did have a great comment. I will read it out loud for our audio listeners. He said, and he did it as a, um, as a commercial. So it's had enough with men turning you down. Viagra Cialis, not getting the job done with your dates. Get bigger with rigor. <laughs> well done well done um so that's a good one but that that's my favorite part of the story because it's like poetic justice like obviously he didn't get what he deserved which is jail time right like he should have just been locked up i don't know how long i don't know how to evaluate that i'm not the law i don't make the rules I if should. someone did that to one of my loved ones i would i would kill them that yeah, would be my that, that, yeah. That I would that I would I would serve some swift justice if the courts refused to, allegedly. I would allegedly that's do that. That should carry a sorry a sentence because I think, I think nowadays even still like it's just called it's just corpse misconduct and it's like a misdemeanor, and you don't go to jail for more than two years for something like that. Which I think that that so, something like that is like, I get it. They're dead. They don't feel anything. But still, that's you know that that person had family. That should ha- carry absolutely should carry a heavier sentence. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know where to rank it with other crimes, but I, yeah, that's one where it's just like I don't really care about the legal system. Like, just uh, just don't do that kind of stuff, you know? No, can you not? Just rocket yeah. yourself into space and <laughs> figure it out out there. Yeah, I don't know. You, you can do your stuff with your tubes and your paper and the bathroom by yourself. You don't need. So wait, did did he serve time for for dynamiting the mausoleum? No, oh, that at least has to be a crime, right? Yes, I, it must not be because he owns it. 100% a crime. You oh. can't just Maybe dynamite then, stuff. You can't like, dynamite stuff. Now you can't, can't dynamite you? stuff. It's 1930. They had like three modes of destruction. It was like dynamite and Yeah, you, you think about the general story. Like, oh, you want some canned beans? Perhaps an apple? <laughs> Stick of dynamite? <laughs> you have to cook something. You must need some sort of way to cook your canned beans. Here's the dynamite. Like that's <laughs> not recommended, but it'll get the job done. You might have to build a spaceship and rocket yourself to go find your beans. But yeah, anyways. Yeah. Uh, so that brings us to the cemetery that she's in now. And like I said before, they know the cemetery that she's in. They don't know the grave. There is hauntings at this particular cemetery and a woman has been seen at it. Nobody has said that it's her but there's the possibility that it's her walking around the graveyard. I mean, hell, if anyone's going to haunt anything, it's got to be her, right? Like the way she was treated for nine years, I I think she deserves to come back and haunt people. Al Capone says in chat that TNT is pretty easy to come by if you know the right people. That's fair. Having Al Capone in chat as well as Ron Meshbesher as a legal mind of hometown ghost stories here. We're going to have to keep Ron Meshbesher on on a retainer. He's a, he's a pretty mm. good legal mind. So it's mm. good to have you guys here. 
Yeah. It's good to have you guys here. Yeah, I don't know if there's too many hauntings affiliated with it. I know it's hometown ghost stories. This was more of a twisted Valentine's Day story, but it did start off with a alleged haunting or a ghostly visit. So it 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 fits the bill. And this is easily one of the most messed up stories, even though there's one victim. And I will call her a victim because you just don't do that alive or dead to anybody. Hey, the story is just so twisted. If you go into like other, there's other podcasts and stuff that went into like a ton of details on what he did to this body to try to preserve it. And again, that's just another job that he wasn't good at. It's uh, it is some gruesome stuff. So, so be aware. Yeah, it is. It is wild. But yeah, the, the hauntings, I think she might be haunting the graveyard. I was trying to find the building that they displayed her for the four days for that weekend after she was found. And I wanted to see if there was any hauntings in that building, but I couldn't get an exact location on where they displayed her body or if it's even still a funeral home or not. Yeah, I don't know. I do know. So Ricardo says that doll is creepy enough as is. Imagine the ghost. I bet the ghost would be an upgrade. Yeah. Because, I mean, how shitty would it be if if you die and now you have to haunt as, like, the the dressed-up corpse doll that she was? I, I feel like if you're going to haunt, you'd at least be – and we don't make the rules. You might. But, but you'd I mean, at least like, be the ghost if you're like, a live self. <laughs> right, right. Well, if you think of, like, a revenant or those types of ghosts, those basically come back as a decomposed version of themselves. Mm. So – those revenants, if you ever spot one, might look a little bit like that doll just gliding. Imagine that thing just gliding towards you. Oh my God. <laughs> no, I thank you. A, I bet Ricardo's going to not even sleep. Yeah, I bet I mean, Ricardo's going to think about that thing gliding towards yeah. him tonight. Yeah, Count, Count Von Crazy Pants, like Papa Squatch called him, would probably <laughs> love the thought of that thing gliding towards him. He's like, oh my God, she's moving finally. Oh, God. Do you think we should all just start referring to ourselves as counts? Probably. Who's <laughs> going to tell us that we're not? Apparently nobody told this guy he wasn't. I mean, it did, he must have been a really good liar. Oh my God, Matt Thomas, why would you do this? <laughs> Thank you so much, Matt Thomas, dropping fifty-one dollars in super chat as the new top donator. Mar, do not feel obligated. Please, you both are awesome. Send us messages. We're gonna, we're gonna. I'll send you, we'll send you both uh, t-shirts. Thank you so much, um, but please stop. It makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> I just don't know what to do. Like, no, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, so I think we should just – I should be Count Wilkins, Count Coakley, and Count Dave, I guess. <laughs> count it yeah well no papa squash brings up a good point that made me think of this as well is that you could buy a square foot of land in scotland like he did and you could become a lord i believe mm-hmm. captain mcslugs is actually a, a, a lord so lord captain mcslugs <laughs> lord okay. captain count mcslugs uh is also a lord um is there anything else we want to hit on with this story like we said this was kind of a special episode there's the hauntings are limited but it was our 69th episode on Valentine's Day, and we had to find a love story. And mm-hmm. um, this was at least half of a love story. We didn't say that both people had yeah. to be in love, just one person was in love in this case. This is a Rob Coakley love story, just real and- one sided. No one loves him back. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Jeez. Jesus Christ. Jeez. Um, I all right, I will, I will clarify this before we get into our final, uh, our final, um. I'm Thank losing you. the word for it. Our final stuff. The, the, before we wrap it up, before we wrap it up, <laughs> we had a good childhood. We weren't, we didn't grow up poor, but we did drink juicy juice, which 
I suspected was cut with water. Never proved it. No. All right. So the so, juicy juice, listen, listen to me. I, I have a better memory of this because I'm older. The juicy juice was never cut. The juicy juice was like the creme de la creme. It was always, we'd have like the concentrate juice that you'd have to mix with water. Mm-hmm. And we'd always mix it with more water. But that was more because you and I had no idea what we were doing, but we liked to mix the big thing. So yeah. that was always watered down. I remember the, the juicy the, juice was unadulterated and it was amazing. Oh man, most chuggable drink. I, I do remember that with those, uh, the concentrate ones, they'd come in like this frozen cylinder, like, uh, yeah. I don't know, whatever, but you pop it open, take a bite of that thing. It's mm. ice cream full of flavor. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Yep. yep. All right. Let's take a second to thank our patrons and then uh, we'll go through some reviews and we'll also do a wheel spin. Don't start typing anything in chat yet for that. We'll take the top 10, but we haven't announced it yet. So don't go crazy, people. Uh, let's start with our VIPs on Patreon. We have Jeannie R, Justin T, Lisa J, Mike B, Mom and Pops W, uh, and Robert H, as well as Stephen V and Demon King. Thank you guys for being VIPs. We also have Allison V, Anna C, Even Better Hometown Ghost Stories, Lily J, Jake V, Janice G, Mar F. Rachel B, Stephanie A, Sydney B, Anthony T, Brandon W, Brennan B, Captain McSlugs, Cody G, Huggy Bear. Oh my God, you're about to get tracked by the FBI for that. Take that <laughs> off the screen immediately. This, uh, week been, this week he's been Googling how to blow up things with TNT formaldehyde. <laughs> yeah, you're on you're on a list for sure. I don't know if I mentioned Huggy Bear, so I'll mention Huggy Bear. We also have Carrie Lee J, Mark M, Matthew T, Mariah M, Papa Squatch, Sarah R, just Sarah which is nice. <laughs> she made another change to her name. Uh, Scotty L, the brand new Patreon. Thank you so much. Uh, Solar Flare, Soph, and Hooper. Thank you guys so much for that. For as little as $3 a month, you too can join Patreon and become part of the team and get yourself some ad-free episodes as well as bonus content. And you get to join the Patreon pre-show hangout, which we had earlier today, to which I forgot to spin the wheel during the Patreon pre-show hangout, but I guess we'll spin it twice next time. Yeah, you mentioned the... Uh the stickers and a couple of people were like, yeah, stickers. And then you never. <laughs> wow. I think we got sidetracked. We were talking about a whole so bunch of stuff. Yeah. We were, we were. All right. So, uh, while Rob is potentially pulling up reviews, I got them. I'm going to punch in the first 10 people to type stickers in chat. You can get entered into win a five pack of limited edition hometown ghost stories. So go ahead and type stickers in chat. Rob, what do we got for reviews? All right, so we got a couple tonight, uh, tonight to read. The first one is from No Sleeping on Saturday for Me, um, which I'm not going to agree with that. I love to sleep on Saturdays. It's a great day to sleep. But it is titled Best Paranormal Podcast, and the review is Love It. The Sally House scares the crap out of me. I drove through Atchison, Kansas on a road trip. Didn't want to even get out of the car by that house. Creepy. Um, agreed. Still, yeah, my, House is an all-time great. Still, my number one house I want to go to, and the other one is from Jen, and the title is awesome. Which um, I have a story for the two of you later about my awesome tattoo <laughs> that happened over the weekend. Anyways, cool to stumble across stories from the town you live in. Very well narrated, and these guys are funny. I wish she would have shared the town that she's from yeah i was we, thinking that we too covered I that i was like so jen if you want shoot us a message or something and let us know what town we covered that you're from um unless you don't want to dox yourself that's also fair that's fair as well we don't um, need your like address yeah just, just let us know which town we covered yeah yeah just want to know which uh 
which town it is because it's it's nice because like Modesto, for instance, right? A town in California, we got a lot of traction in that town. A lot of people from Modesto started listening to the show because of that episode. So, yeah, which is cool. Um, are we ready to spin a wheel, Jesse? Yes, we are ready. So let me uh, share the screen. Here I don't. I don't think there's. Oh. A post- oh! <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think there's a post credit one tonight. Um. Oh yeah, because we have a we have a special episode next week as well. Oh, thank God we don't have a post-credit video because last time we got a damn copyright infringement for it, which I knew we were going to get. All right, we're going to spin this wheel here. I just took the first 10 people that typed in, so if you missed the wheel spin, uh, we will have another one next week at least. At least one. And let's give it a wheel. If Ricardo wins this wheel... Oh, let me do it. And the wheel's going around, 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 and it's going to stop. Is it going to be on Hershey Bar? It is on Hershey Bar. Um... When Ricardo wins this, we are going to make stickers specifically of <laughs> we're this. Gonna, we're just going to send him five stickers <laughs> of this. It's not even going to have any text on it. Yeah. It's still going to have the uh, the icons from Rob's uh, PC on the bottom of it. As well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Matthew T says rigged. He did bubble, uh, but Matt, I, I literally just mailed out your stickers. So you're still yes. the winner. But thank you. And, and also send us, I, I have your info, actually. I already have it. So. Uh, once again, thank you so much to um, Tamar and Matthew, and who else donated? Mostly them, <laughs> but it was also cash, and uh, I believe we got one other one. So thank you guys so much for donating. Do appreciate that in super chat. It definitely makes things interesting, and that is probably the best way to derail us because we just have to stop the presses, no matter what we're saying, and be like, "Wait a second, we just got a donation." Probably not great for audio listeners, but we're not going to not thank them, and it's great. So thank That's you guys. Right so much for that uh we'll be back on friday one quick thing that i want to talk about is we have recently been talking about what so we get a lot of submissions for people's personal ghost stories that they share with us and one of the reasons that we started doing this show was so that we could be uh, basically a platform to share other people's ghost stories so it's tough to take us like these smaller ghost stories and make an entire episode out of them so we've been talking about different ways to be able to get them out there and we decided that we are going to do a segment at the end of every show where we just share the stories the people's personal ghost stories that they're sent in with them because a lot of them are short but they're very good and very interesting so every uh, every episode we'll share two or three of those and uh it'll be the segment so we have a few that we have just banked and I'm going to reach out to those people this week and get their permission to share it. And as long as we get the permission, we will do so. So that will be a, a segment going forward on episodes. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. So again, we'll just double check with, with some folks. I know some people just sent it to us just to chat about it, but if you actually want it to be read out, then we will, we will do so. Yes. Um, and let's talk about next week's episode before we get out of here. Cause I'm yes. excited for this one. Me too. So, why don't you explain it? I'm going to see if we can actually do another example. I'm going to make sure it's up and I can do it, but explain what we're doing next week. I would just, I would just save it for next week. Yeah. So uh, next week is going to be regular time. Going to be a live stream episode. Like it always is. It will be on the podcast feed the following Wednesday. So we're not going to miss a week. There's still going to be an episode filled with ghost stories. We're going to try something a little bit new. It's going to be, we use the, uh, what is it? The AI, what's it called? Chat, chat GPT, GPT. Yep. chat GPT, which you just plug in keywords and it makes up a random ghost story and they can actually be pretty creepy 
or they can be absolutely hilarious depending on which direction you go. So we're going to we're going to have the wheel, we're going to spin the wheel. People in the live chat can throw random words out there. We're going to have this thing make up random ghost stories. We're going to read them out loud and it's going to be hilarious. Maybe we'll pepper in a few real ghost stories. Maybe we'll do this will be the first episode where we'll have our segment where we do people's actual ghost stories. So it's going to yeah. be a good time. It's going to be fun. And the reason we're doing it a little bit different is because we want to we need to give ourselves time to work on some other stuff for our show that we've been kind of putting off so and another update from patreon we just got a three dollar pledge from al capone on patreon so thank you al capone <laughs> and welcome. Um, so what you need to do is you need to jump in the discord and we're gonna have you give us prompts we're gonna spin three different wheels right and we need prompts to put on these wheels to make these ghost stories so for example i am going to tell chat gpt right now to write me a ghost story about a clown dog with webbed feet and see what it comes up with and um, I'm going to read it live on chat. Oh, I might have broken it. This is the first time I've ever seen it not stop. Never mind. There it goes. Yeah, sometimes it's got to think for a little bit. Yeah, it is. It is really thinking about this one. So I will start reading this story about a clown dog with webbed feet. Uh, in the old circus town of Tricorn, there was a tale of a clown dog with webbed feet that haunted the abandoned Big Top. The story goes that the clown dog was once the beloved pet of a, of a clown troop, troop that had performed in the Tricon many years ago one fateful night the clown dog followed its owners into the river that ran alongside the circus grounds as they swam across a sudden current swept the dog away and it was never seen again the clown troop heartbroken packed up and left tricorn for good years later as the abandoned circus fell into disrepair strange reports began to emerge some claimed to have seen a ghostly clown dog with webbed feet wandering the grounds howling mournfully at the moon Others reported hearing barking and growling coming from the empty big top. Despite the warnings, a group of teenagers decided to explore the abandoned circus one, one dark and stormy night. As they entered the big top, they heard a faint whimpering, as if from a wounded animal. Suddenly, a cold gust of wind blew through the tent, and the teens saw a shadowy figure in the distance. As they approached, the figure materialized into the ghostly form of a clown dog with webbed feet. Its eyes glowed with an otherworldly light and its howls echoed through the empty circus. The teens tried to run, but the clown dog pursued them, its paws splashing through puddles on the ground. Ah, you messed up, Chat GPT. It's webbed feet. The clown dog chased the teens through the abandoned circus, its ghostly barks and growls echoing through the dark and tense. They finally managed to escape, but they knew they had seen something not of this world. The legend of the clown dog with webbed feet lives on in Tricorn, a reminder of the many mysteries that lurk in the shadows of the old circus grounds. That was just absolutely terrifying. <laughs> Brent, Brandon mentioned that a seven-year-old walked in right when that story started, and she asked, wait, Daddy, is this a real story? Oh, no. <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> Watch out. No. We don't make the rules. <laughs> uh -huh. Stories. So they'll be even funnier if you heard some of the other ones that we came up with. There was like a jar of pickles and raptors and zombie it, story, actually. The zombies. Juicy juice zombies. Oh, make sure you put juicy juice on the wheel. We'll Look make that. sure that there's some juicy juice on there. But I think it's going to be a lot of fun for the episode uh, where we all just kind of have fun. So if you're not into fun, don't listen to next week's episode. Mm -hmm. And then Friday, are, are we dropping the uh, Dark Friday. Mysteries? Or is yeah, Friday will be Dark Mysteries. Okay, so new Dark Mysteries. It'll be a surprise. So it's done, but it'll be a surprise. Um, and then Patreon, it'll be available tomorrow. One last thing I want to talk about is I went to Nashville this weekend 
And I was lucky enough to meet one of our biggest fans, Sydney, and hang out with her for a bit. And she's a smart girl, Dave. She started telling me about one of her plans. And one of her plans is um, she's going to frame you for murder so that you don't have to be on the show anymore. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Look at that. She's catching on. So you can learn a thing or two from Sydney there, Gigi Snap. Yeah. So that uh, that story made me laugh. Anyways, I think that'll do it, gentlemen. She left out else? the part where the, the victim of the murder is going to be you. <laughs> that was directed towards Rob, not you, Sydney. And I think. That, yes, <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> Don't you threaten Dave, not on this show. Anyways. <laughs> All right. I think that'll do it. Uh, yeah, so tune in on Friday. We'll be back. Uh, like I said, Patreon, the, the content will be available tomorrow, so check it out. And thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back on Tuesday for our episode number 70. No, we won't. Thanks bunch. Liar. It will not be officially episode 70, but we will be live on Tuesday. <laughs> same time, same place, hometown, Juicy Juice stories. We'll see you guys then. Bye. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now.